can we learn to be comfortable with somebody else's success, somebody else's gain, even if it's at my expense? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks. Growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcast. We're up to the Torah portion of Vayetze, the parsha within which Yaakov, Jacob, has moved on from home, marries his wives, and births his sons. Actually, 11 out of the 12 sons are born in this parsha. Those sons who are going to be the heads of the tribes of Israel, the foundation of what will be eventually the nation of Bnei Yisrael, Am Yisrael. 11 of the 12 sons born in this week of Parsha, starting with Reuven and ending with Yosef, with Joseph, the 12th Benjamin to be born later on. But interesting contrast, the Reuven-Yosef relationship and one generation back, the Esau-Yaakov relationship, Esau-Yaakov, as actually described in the name Reuven, our sages tell us that aside from the element that is captured within the text of the Parsha, there's another message that Leo was declaring, Ru, take a look, see, look at the difference between my son, my firstborn son, Ruvain, and his uncle, Esav. Ruvain starts his life as the firstborn, as does Esav. Both of them lose that status. Esav loses it to Yaakov. Esav, very, in a sense, purposefully, transfers it over to Yaakov, but can never live that down. And in fact, Yaakov has left home because of the fear that he's now being threatened by Esav. Ruvain, on the other hand, when he, in a later on section of the Torah, loses his rank as firstborn, and it's given over to Yosef. Remember that Ruvain is the firstborn of Yaakov with Leah. Yosef is the firstborn of Yaakov and Rachel. The, you know, Rachel's married later on. Yosef is born much later on. Yet Yosef, Joseph, is going to get the double portion in the land of Israel and not Ruvain. But look at the difference. Not only does Ruvain not threaten Yosef, he's not uh, indicating any uh, likely attack against Yosef, but the opposite. Later on, when Yosef's life is in trouble, when he's being threatened, Ruvain is the one who describes a readiness to come to bat for his brother. And look at this distinction. Ruvain with every reason to be frustrated over the fact that he lost this rank to this kid brother, Yosef. Yosef's gain is at his direct expense, but recognizing that that's what's coming to Yosef, I lost it, he gets it, and he actually views Yosef as a brother, views Yosef as a brother that he's going to try to intercede and protect. Jealousy, envy of what somebody has, particularly when it's something that I feel that was coming to me. I was hoping to get that. And instead it goes to somebody else. It's very disturbing. It can easily throw us off balance, creates much strife and tension and distance. So unhealthy and so wrong. Our sages describe that there are a few elements that are so severe that they take us out of the world. You could say like, they throw us so off kilter that we don't function properly and spiritually probably referring to something more devastating than that. But kina, taiva, and kavod, says the mission in Pirkeavos. Jealousy, taiva, lust, and kavod, the quest for honor, can be very, very damaging. And ultimately, most of us realize that envy is not a healthy trait. Being jealous of the other doesn't resolve our issues and is not going to help secure our relationships with anybody else. 
but it is so common to the human nature to fall into this trap. Interestingly, to get a sense of just how damaging this is, Ten Commandments. Number 10 in the Ten Commandments is the prohibition against coveting somebody else's property, lo sachmod, not to be desirous of what they have. And Rav Chaim Vital is quoted as saying that not only did this make it into the Ten Commandments, it's a big deal in itself, but he understands that number 10 is in a sense the cumulative outcome of the previous nine. And that on a certain level, the one who's desirous of what somebody else has, I'm not comfortable with what I have, I want what you have, is such a breach of faith in God. It's such a slap to God. It's such an indication that I don't feel you gave me a good lot. So either that has to reflect on a challenge to God or not having full faith that God is really running the show and that he has our ultimate best interest in mind. Hence, it makes it to that list and is deemed in a certain sense at the pinnacle, kind of the cumulative effect of all the others in the list of the Ten uh, Commandments. Uh, they quote over from the, the Rikanti, a fairly early great uh, commentator, that kina, the sense of envy, is a lack of faith. It is the indicator that we are not really in tune to the fact that there's a God running the show. So we want to break out of it. We don't want to be living lives of kingdom. We don't want to live lives of this jealousy and the envy of the other. And even if he had that advancement in work and I did not, he had that advancement. And actually because of that, I have had a harder time with my role and it's coming at my expense. But again, all things be equal where the other person wasn't being manipulative, corrupt. It came his way due to the fact that he earned it or even if it seems rather arbitrary, but again, it wasn't something that he did that was conniving and, and evil. I have to acknowledge somebody up there is pulling the strings that gave him that position and not me. To help get perspective on how we can learn to be less likely to be envious of the other, Rav Dessler, great thinker of the last century, gives a uh, fascinating tool, and that is to think of it in terms of a prescription. Somebody else has a prescription. We're rarely um, envious of the fact that he or she was given a prescription that I was not given. Even something like glasses. Actually, I think the example he gives was prescription glasses. We're not typically going to be envious of somebody else's glasses prescription. Okay, I may like the fact that, okay, he got a cool set of sunglasses or I wish I could get that style of frame. But the lenses, the prescription for the lenses... I'm in no way jealous of that. I would rather not even need glasses myself. And if I do, okay, even if his prescription is a different, more mild, but his prescription is tailor-made to him. She was given the prescription that works for her current eyes and stage of life and all the other factors that work for her. And I'm given a prescription that works for me. Well, that's true of everything that's told out to us. What God provided her was what's appropriate for her. The the financial circumstances, the social circumstances, the family circumstances, what period of history each of us are born in that's particularly appropriate to our neshama, for our soul to be in position to accomplish its max. We are given all of the external variables put into place for our growth. And someone else is given a different set of circumstances. How, much, how many of us are jealous of somebody who lived 
500 or a thousand years ago. Hey, you know, they didn't even have indoor plumbing, electricity, all things we take for granted. But even let's say we read about somebody who had it made a phenomenal life, but we never interfaced with them a different world, different culture. It doesn't show up on our envy screen. We look at those around us and those who are closest to us often, all the more so. And how come she got, how come he got, how come when that could have been me? The closer they are to our circle, sometimes they're, they're more tight you know, to our own circumstance, the more I could have imagined that being me. But guess what? Her contact lens prescription, his eyeglass prescription is not yours. And just as comfortable you are with that reality, be comfortable with the fact that the fact that he had the opportunity to get that newer car or she was given that upgrade at work, understand that their prescription. The uh, Satma Rav Zatal, again, one of the great, great Torah giants and uh, spiritual giants of uh, the last century, helps with another tool. And that is that if we're jealous of the other, if we're envious of the other, invariably, if we think about it, it's a subset, a slice of their life that we are wanting. Would we want to swap our life entirely with theirs? And if the answer is, well, at the moment, it seems yes. But really? Do we want every aspect of their life? Okay, let's say they're financially in a much better position than us. Is every aspect of their family life something that I would want to trade with mine? Is every aspect of their social life something I want to trade with mine? Is every aspect of their physical health, of their 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 anxiety over a of our parents' health, their concerns about something going on in their child's life. Is everything about their life something I want to swap with my own? And do I even know all of those factors? And he, he describes and others attribute a similar idea to the Chavetz Chaim, uh, you know, the great, great, great sage of uh, the earlier part of the last century and going back further than that. Everybody has what we call their pekala, their package. And we don't fully know what's in everybody else's package. We know some elements. We know what's external. We know the parts of the life we interface with. But do we know every aspect of their physical comfort or lack of comfort, their stresses, their anxieties, their internal psyche, their, their mental health, their emotional comfort and health? And as he describes, if everybody really could see everybody else's package, everybody put their packages on the table and we could go choose there's one package we are most comfortable with and we can work with, and that's the peckle that is our own. And okay, ideally, I'd rather eliminate some aspects of that package and swap them out. But I don't want to totally trade my package with anybody else's. So recognize just as much as God left some aspects in their package in their package that you're comfortable with, and you don't want those in your package. Start to learn to be comfortable with the rest of your package and not wanting that which is the other's. In contrast with all of this, we have one use in our Parsha of the term jealousy, which has a very different connotation. When the text describes it, Rachel was jealous of her sister. And Batakani Rachel, Rachel was jealous of the, again, what seems on the surface, the fact that her sister already had children when she did not. But Rashi, quoting from the sages, points to that that's not really what the text is describing. But rather, she was jealous of the traits of her sister that gave her sister the spiritual merit to warrant the family that she was raising. Now how the Rashi knows and how the sages know that from the text, I suggest those who, who can look into the, the Sifsei Chachamim in his commentary on Rashi, he helps us understand why that's clear within the words. If you can't do that, 
and uh, I don't know how easily it's available in translation. Send me a message to TacklessCoaching at Gmail. Happy to send back a quick analysis that will help you see why that's true, why the text itself makes it clear that the jealousy was not that she had sister, the children, but she was jealous of the character trait. She was longing to be the same type of person. And that type of jealousy, there's a statement, Kinas Sofim Tarbachachma, wanting to aspire to the greatness of other people, wanting to mimic their great qualities, that's a good thing. Wanting to have the same mastery of text as somebody else, wanting to have the same uh, you know, awareness and, and, and Jewish knowledge base, yeah, be jealous. Don't be jealous of the fact that they can afford a better library, but be jealous of the fact that they read the books and, and try to mimic that and use that as a tool to inspire that you aspire to the same greatness. That jealousy is a very safe jealousy. And if we can channel that sense of, I want what he has. I wish I had what she has. We can channel that type of energy into, number one, step back. You don't want to be her. You don't want to be him. You just take that slice. Understand that that's part of their prescription. It's not my prescription. So let them have their prescription and be happy with the one we have. But at the same time, use the trait of jealousy. Kind of pivot it to be, I want to be the type of person that warrants more blessing from God. I want to be the type of person that can manage to be deserving of a different type of a package. And I want to be the type of person that at least in the meantime, as I'm going through the life with my current prescription, uses it to the max. Doing so, eliminating the negative element of, of jealousy and, and only using the positive trait are certainly likely to make us healthier, more content, more socially uh, comfortable with all of those around us and the type of people that they'll want to be connected with because we don't put off any of that type of negativity and at the same time make us the type of people who will be far more likely to achieve Eratakos.